Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I've got Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress with me here this afternoon. A shortened edition of Sports Call today. We will be getting off air just before 5 o'clock today because of Auburn softball. They are in Athens, Georgia, taking on the Georgia Bulldogs. First SEC series for softball. And so that's coming up, 5.15 airtime with Britt Bowen and J.J. Jackson here. And so uh, we will be getting off air after the uh, at, or at the end of the 4 o'clock hour. In the meantime, we will talk uh, about last night's game between Auburn and Arkansas and the uh, continuation of all these conference tournaments. Uh, we'll also have birthdays and sports, as always. We'll have a nightly TV guide, uh, what to watch for over the weekend at the end if we have time as well. Uh, also, still some topics from the sports world to discuss, such as uh, still have not been able to talk about the uh, Lamar Jackson NFL free agency quarterback discussions and, and all that good stuff. So if we have time, we'll get to that as well. Still a lot to do on this Friday edition of Sports Call. And now we wait after Auburn is ousted from the SEC tournament in, the, their, in their first game. We wait for Selection Sunday to see where Auburn is playing and who they are playing uh, and if they're in the first four or not, or if they are safely uh, within that. So, again, Ryan, Brant, and Brooks with you here today. We will start with a very happy birthday to our very own Brooks Childress. Is that today? Uh, that is today, good sir. Uh, it is uh, great to have you here, as always, and I hope you're having a great day. It is a great day. Um, it's it's better than last night, I'll tell you that much. Uh, but it, it is a great day. Uh, one, it's it's great that I've, I've been on this earth now for 28 years uh, officially 28 years, oh, just a little uh, under an hour ago, uh, officially 28 years on this earth. So uh, thank you so much for birthday wishes. Um, and, yeah, Auburn basketball, not not the result Auburn wanted last night, not the result a lot of people wanted. Um, but, you know, you're, you're if you're Auburn, you're still going to the NCAA tournament. Uh, I know we've we had some you know a call calls the last couple of days questioning uh, that if Auburn needed to win that game if if you watched the game last night and you listened to the ESPN uh, audio like I did they made the point of saying in uh, during the broadcast Arkansas needed the win for NCAA tournament more than Auburn did and so Arkansas did get that win uh, it helped their tournament resume Auburn feels you know still feels confident that they're in the in the field right now. Uh, when it comes on Sunday to getting selected, but like you know, like I said yesterday, uh, you never fully know with those at-large bids unless you're like the num- you know a, a top 25 team until you hear your name called. But 
we are like 97% confident we're going to hear Auburn's name called in some form or fashion on Sunday. Uh, so we'll look forward to that. Auburn baseball, big series this weekend. Can't wait to talk a little bit about that as I host Southeast Louisiana. Auburn softball, as you mentioned a minute ago, big, uh, get a big SEC series on the road to open things up against Georgia starting here. And why we have a shortened show today, so can't wait to talk about that. And of course, as always, can't wait to talk to all of our callers. Brant, welcome back. Third straight day for you. How are you feeling? Heck yeah, man. I'm feeling great. Happy birthday, Brooks. Heck You're yeah. what, like 33 now, something like that. Um, <laughs> don't tell me. Don't don't push more years on me. <laughs> no, seriously. Happy birthday, man. Uh, been been a lot of fun working with you. And well, thank you. Glad to glad to see another birthday that you get to celebrate, and yeah. I'm glad to celebrate it with you. But yeah, just an ugly showing from Auburn last night. Felt like for the first time in a while, it felt like the effort wasn't there for for the full 40 minutes. Now, obviously, the last. The last 10 minutes were some of the best basketball that Auburn's played this year. Uh, I think KD Johnson had his best game, probably of his college career, definitely as an Auburn Tiger. Uh, a, just a, a really fantastic showing from him. And But it, it just wasn't enough. Your, your, your big-time scorers did not step up when they needed to. Jalen Williams, I think, only had one point for the entire game. And you just need more from, from guys like that. And uh, we'll we'll get into more of the nitty gritty of what all went wrong, especially early in those halves for Auburn. A lot of turnovers that uh, I think were the biggest issue. Um, but w- uh, we'll talk more about that as we go in. But yeah, still feel pretty solid, pretty solid about Auburn making it into the tournament. Probably going to be a nine or a ten seed, which is you know not up to par with what Auburn has been in the past, but something a lot of teams would kill for. So. Uh, I think Auburn is still in pretty good shape, and while this may not be the season we wanted, we're still in the NCAA tournament and uh, got got a chance to make some noise going forward. Yeah, still a 20-win team at the end of the day. Uh, it was a interesting performance uh, from the standpoint of I felt like uh, you mentioned the effort part. I, I didn't think that it was bad in the half-court stuff, although – they had men, they had some lapses around the rim, too many easy layups. Yeah, I thought they got back in transition poorly a few times, which was more of the the effort that I would uh, pointed out, and, and not that they didn't care or anything like that, but just that they weren't as focused and locked in uh, on everything going on there. And I think that Arkansas, look, they did exactly what they do: they get to the rim, they try and limit their jump shooting. They, they know that they are not a good three-point team. They know that they are not at their best when they're having to shoot jump shots. They only shot 11 three-pointers in the game last night. They were 3 of 11. That's completely normal for them. However, uh, for Auburn's point of view there, they, they knew that Arkansas would be trying to go down low in various ways. Uh, they enabled it to some degree there by not getting back in transition a few times. And then it also felt like there was a lot of rolls to the, uh, rolls to the rim that were very easy for Arkansas, uh, particularly early in halves. Uh, it felt like Auburn just did not have the interior physicality and the presence that they uh, needed to have in that game. The rebounding part of it was uh, astounding. It, it finished 37-19 to 19 in favor of Arkansas. I mean, 2-1 to one rebounding. There was also a point in the game, though. I think it was like 13 minutes left, 14 minutes left in the game, and Auburn had seven rebounds or eight rebounds. Uh, That is 
honestly mind-numbing. And, you know, look, Arkansas shot a good field goal percentage. There's not as many rebounds to be had, and they did have some turnovers. But uh, I still think Arkansas ended up at that point when, when Auburn had seven or eight team rebounds. Arkansas had seven or eight offensive rebounds. Arkansas finished with 13 offensive rebounds. So they weren't that far behind just on the offensive glass what Auburn was as a team. And so that part of it was not something I, I really expected. Arkansas is known for their guard play. Uh, they even went a little smaller in their starting lineup. So maybe that's a part of the, the effort persuasion that, that you were referring to uh, where Auburn got beat up on the glass and, again, gave up a lot of, a lot of points in the paint. Yeah, definitely more, less of a defensive paint presence than we're used to seeing. And, and credit to Arkansas, they did a good job of getting Janai Broom out of the paint when Auburn didn't go into those man sets. They still they didn't run nearly as much zone uh, as they did in the first matchup. Still ran more than I thought they would with the presence of Nick Smith, but they still they still ran it uh, a little bit. But when they went into those man sets, it was a great job of Arkansas just getting Janai Broom out of the paint, and then Broom couldn't catch up to the roller or to the guy with the ball, couldn't really make a defensive effort. And then, like you said, the the, the rebounding is really where the effort stood out to me, and not just on rebounding missed shots, but there was a lot of loose balls that kept falling to Arkansas. Auburn would get one hand on the ball, but Arkansas would get two, and it felt like it just kind of went that way the entire night and and, you know I've never claimed to be a basketball expert and I've only watched the game once so I don't know maybe the effort was perfectly fine but it did seem that every loose ball was going Arkansas's way and at some point this team's got to do a better job of rebounding and uh, being more physical on the inside. I was going to say on credit to and I know you you mentioned his name uh, earlier Jalen Williams credit to Jalen Williams uh, for from what we heard from the postgame uh, pressers, said, I'm not getting anything. Keep Chris Moore out there. And, you know, he, he said, I don't put don't put me back in. Um, credit, you know, he, he knew what he, he, you know, he knew he wasn't getting anything. You put Chris Moore about, out there. And it was, it was if I'm uh, remembering correctly, Bruce Pearl said Chris Moore was also, like, lit into the rest of the team during yeah. a timeout. And so there was the, 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 the want was there. They, they knew what they needed to do. Um, it just didn't execute it well on the floor. I think, you know, Bruce talked about it last night, and and I think Wendell talked about it too last night that the start of both halves was just kind of sluggish, and uh, they they didn't really recover out of that. Like you said, it was a it was a heck of a basketball game those last you know few minutes of the of, of the game, but it's just the it wasn't there the entire time. And when you're playing a team like Arkansas that we, you know, they, they didn't have the best of years this year that we thought they were, that everybody thought they were going to have. But they've still, the reason we thought they were going to have that year is because, you know, something that was brought up by Caller yesterday, they have three five-stars on that team. They've got, you know, they've got good players. And we saw it last night. They played well. Uh, I thought Auburn did a, a fine job adjusting in the second half to what Arkansas was trying to do. But it was just, you know, you like like you pointed out, Ryan, that the re- and Bruce Pearl talked about all year. I asked Justin Ferguson about it on Tuesday uh, about rebounding with this team. It's been a problem all year. Bruce Pearl has brought it up. I can't tell you how many times in, in a postgame press conference, Bruce Pearl has said, you know, if we you know keep getting out rebounded like this, we're not going to win many basketball games. And, it, you know, it, it kind of reared its head again last night where Auburn got out rebounded by uh, an astounding amount. And they they lost the basketball game. Now credit something else that we've talked about on this this team. I don't think, and I may be wrong, Ryan. You got the box score in front of you. Uh, there wasn't that big of a foul disparity last night, was there? 
Uh, not at all. Uh, 20, 27 free throw shot for Auburn, 23 for Arkansas, 19 fouls committed by Arkansas, 18 committed so, by Auburn. So Auburn went to the line more last, which yep, is not something that we've we've talked about in the last few weeks for Auburn, going to the line more than somebody else. And so that, you know, you, you can't really look at that and blame that. So I don't know. You, it, there's a lot to fix. And I, I feel like we've been saying that all year is there's a lot to fix on this basketball team. And at this point, I don't know how much you can get done in just a few days, no matter where, where you're going to be. If you're in the, you know playing in one of those first four games on Tuesday or Wednesday, or if you're into the field solidly on Thursday or Friday, I don't know how much you can fix of that going into that game. You just got to really hope uh, if you're Auburn, when you get when you hear your name called on Sunday and you hear who you're going up against, it's a good matchup for you because other if it if it there's a big disparity there if you're you know going up against someone that you know can play uh, uh can play a basketball that can take advantage of your weaknesses it it could you could be in trouble next week. Yeah, I, since since you brought it up, I do want to talk a little bit more about that that Jalen Williams quote of I'm not getting anything. Leave Chris Moore in. I'm conflicted about it. Because Chris was right. He didn't do a whole lot in this game. Jalen. Jalen, thank you. Um, But also, Jalen Williams is one of your best players. He is one of your primary scorers. And the fact that he is okay not being in at the very end of the game, that's kind of worrying to me. And and I'm with you. Yes, it shows maturity. And yes, Chris had a great game from a a rebounding perspective. But you just, I don't know. I, I need more from Jalen Williams, from a scoring perspective. He's, I honestly think that Jalen Williams is better than he thinks he is. And if Jalen Williams could realize how good and how good a scorer he is and hunt his points a little bit more, I feel like he could have had more impact on this year than he did, even though he had a couple of great games. I feel like Jalen Williams is just confidence away from being a really good basketball player. And I'm, I'm, I like the leadership he displayed by saying, hey, leave Chris in. But at the same time, I don't know. I, I, I don't like one of my best players saying, yeah, hey, I'm fine not being in in the final few minutes. Yeah, you believe – I mean, we, we see Jalen Williams' uh, ability that – he's one of these core four players for Auburn where the, we've always kept track of what he – what Janai Broom, what Alan Flanagan, and what Wendell Green Jr. have done all year long in terms of production and just knowing that those have to be one of your, your four most productive players, especially early in the year before Katie Johnson got going, who, by the way, had an incredible game, 7-10, oh, yeah. uh, 20 points on the night. But Jalen has been a part of that. Now, he was not the only one to struggle. Uh, he, he was one of six from the floor. He had six points. Um, Wendell Green Jr. was 2 of 8. I'll have some thoughts on the end-of-game situation in, in a minute. But w- you had great responses from some individuals there because Janiah Broom got off to a really slow start. He started to have a big impact in the second half. That's where he started to finally get some rebounds. He did make it in double figures. Alan Flanagan made a few jump shots, which is, is always the hit-or-miss aspect of his game. I, I would be content with Alan Flanagan driving 10 times a game. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes he takes a lot of jump shots, and he made a couple threes to his credit. Uh, I told you Arkansas was 3 of 11 from 3. Auburn was 5 of 16, so not a great percentage, but, again, didn't really shoot a lot of them. Both teams understood where they needed to try and operate. 
Arkansas took advantage of Auburn a little bit better. The one thing that Auburn did that kind of counteracts some of these things because offensive rebounds are extra possessions, uh, and Arkansas shot uh, a little better percentage from the field. They shot 56% compared to Auburn's 49. Look, 49 is really good, but 56 is is hellaciously good. On what helped even things out for Auburn were turnovers. Uh, Auburn had 10 turnovers, which is modest. I, I will take that uh, more times than not. Arkansas had 19. Auburn did a really good job. And look, this was part of, I feel like, why they gave up a lot of shots around the rim. Auburn kind of played this aggressive go-for-broke defense, which has not really been like them. They were very active hands, very active trying to jump passing lanes, trying to overplay. And sometimes when you do that, the opposition catches you over-aggressive and they back cut and they take advantage of you leaning the wrong way. And, and you use your hands a lot. You can can be a little bit slower defensively. That's why you're, you're usually not supposed to be reaching and moving at the same time. And so Arkansas was able to, when they did hold on the ball, that helped them, that enabled them to get better penetration, that enabled them to get Auburn maybe caught in the wrong spot at the wrong moment and, and get a quick layup. But the other side of that is Auburn did achieve what it was trying to by forcing those 19 turnovers, there was what, what, what I can't remember if it was a call timeout by Bruce or a media timeout, but it was in the second half and the lead had ballooned to 13 or 15. And they came out of the timeout and Auburn got a score and then got two straight steals and scores. It was a 6 0 yeah. run in about 50 seconds, and, and Musselman had to respond with the timeout. Yeah. That kind of activity is what it, it, it felt like it hindered Auburn at times, but it also allowed Auburn to get back in the game there. I, if we're talking about the same moment, and I think we are, it was all because Katie Johnson came into the game too. He scored, I think, nine points and had an assist in like a minute and a half of game time. It was an incredible performance from her, from him, especially in that second half. And and his energy and his, I mean, finally <laughs> channeling that energy into something productive, which he's had trouble doing at points this year. I mean, that's what brought Auburn back in the game. Auburn was headed for losing that one by 15 if you're lucky. And Katie Johnson came in and made a game of it. By far the best I've seen him play at Auburn, and that's what we've been waiting for all year. He started so he started so poorly, and finally somewhere around the middle of the season kind of found his footing and started scoring seven or eight points a game again off the bench. And then finally in this game we've been waiting for him to go psychotic and score 20 and he finally did and that's that's the type of thing that Katie Johnson can offer you and that's why he's playing that's why Auburn still has him honestly and you finally got that from him last night but it just wasn't enough because we touched on your core four did not play well enough we're gonna go ahead and take our first time out of the show when we come back birthdays and sports and also a little bit more about the ending of this game. Auburn was down double digits as Brant alluded to they battled back and he even led in the closing moments but we'll tell you about what happened at the end in our judgment of how Auburn might have con- might have could have done things a little bit differently. First time out of the show, we'll be right back with more sports call after this. attention please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show hi my name is what my name is what? my name is 
Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Friday. Ryan LaVoy, Brent Daughtry, and Brooks Childress today. Rainy start to the day. Uh, I don't Very. know about, about you guys, but I uh, I heard the thunder at uh, 6 or 6.30 this morning. And uh, I did not enjoy that I had heard the thunder because that was not when I was supposed to wake up. And yeah, even close. We touched on this uh, around lunchtime today at the office, but... A couple of weeks ago, maybe a month or two ago, Ryan, you and I had the discussion about how we differ when it comes to sleeping during storms. I used to be able to sleep through the heaviest of rain. Like, it, nothing could wake me up. It helped me go to sleep when it was raining and stuff like that. And you usually do wake up to yep. storms and, and thunder and lightning and all that. Since I have noted that we do that differently... I have been woken up by every storm that comes through in the middle of the night. I can't sleep through them anymore, and it sucks. You'll rediscover the magic because I did not take it from you. <laughs> I've, I've continued to wake up. So ah. we, did, we did not trade places there. It, it's somewhere in there. Um, yeah, I just get this, the, the weather spidey senses going, and uh, <laughs> I've got to check radar and make sure there's no warnings and all that stuff. It's not a, not a bad thing, but uh, at the same time, there was definitely no warnings last night, and uh, I would have appreciated more continuous sleep, but here we are. It's a Friday. We're still having fun anyway. That's right. Because it is a fun Friday, it's now time for one of our fun segments, Birthdays in Sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Today on March the 10th, we got Justin Herbert, who turns 25, current NFL quarterback, sixth overall pick of the Los Angeles Chargers out of Oregon. Go Ducks! 2020 Rose Bowl Offensive MVP while at Oregon. 2020 All-Rookie Team and NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. 2021 Pro Bowler holds NFL rookie quarterback records for most passing touchdowns with 31, total touchdowns with 36, passing yards per game at 289.1, games with at least three touchdown passes with six, and most completions with 396. I think he's got pretty much all those covered. He also holds records for most passing yards in a quarterback's first two seasons with 9,350, and a lot more of those, such as uh, touchdown passes with, or touchdowns with 77. Uh, most passing yards in a quarterback's first three seasons, too. The list goes on and on. Justin Herbert turns 25 today. Pretty darn good, and it's nice to know that there is a young athlete out there who is still younger or older than I am. If by a little bit. Right. But yeah, two months-ish. Turning 28 today is Zach Levine, current shooting guard and small forward in the NBA. 13th overall pick to the Minnesota Timberwolves in the 2014 NBA draft out of UCLA. The Bruins. Played three seasons in Minnesota before being traded to his current team, which is the Chicago Bulls. Earned Washington's Mr. Basketball in 2013 and was first team parade All-American out of high school. 2014 Pac-12 All-Freshman team while at UCLA. In the NBA, he is a two-time slam dunk contest champion. Those are some fun dunk contests. Also, a two-time All-Star and 2020 Tokyo Olympic gold medalist 
Sport Team USA. Zach Levine turns 28 today. I'm the same age as Zach Levine. Yes, you are. I share the exact same birthday as Zach Levine. Similar. At the exact same time that I was coming into the world, Zach Levine was coming into the world. Yeah, similar list of accomplishments, too. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe your parents can compare notes on when exactly that was. No? Maybe? He feels like he's been... Maybe he got swapped at birth. Maybe. I don't know. I I don't think so. I don't think think that would translate to the the athletic ability, though. I don't think you're giving your parents enough credit, Brooks. No, but my athletic ability. I'm just going okay, with, like, go. are, are you, are you like, eh. Zach Levine, anyway. like, Zach Levine feels like he's been in the league forever. Yeah. About eight or nine years, and he turns 28 today. Rod Woodson turns 58, current head coach of the XFL Vegas Vipers, but he was a more known for a defensive back, 10th overall pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 1987 NFL draft out of Purdue. Let's go Boilermakers. Uh, also played for the 49ers, Ravens, and Raiders while at Purdue. Woodson was three-time first-team All-Big Ten and two-time first-team All-American. Also ran track and field, earning five Big Ten championships and still holds school records in the 60 and 110-meter hurdles. In the NFL, Woodson was an 11-time Pro Bowler, six-time first-team All-Pro, also a Super Bowl champ, 1993 NFL Defensive Player of the Year and two-time NFL Interceptions Leader, was named for the NFL 75th Anniversary Team and the 1990s All-Decade Team and the 100th Anniversary All-Time Team, Pittsburgh Steelers All-Time Team, and Hall of Honor. A lot of accolades for Rod Woodson, who turns 58 today. Pretty darn good. And Bobby Petrino turns 62 today, current offensive coordinator at Texas A&M, played college football at Carroll College in Montana from 1980 to 1982. Offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach stops at Idaho, Arizona State, Nevada, Utah State, Louisville, Auburn, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. His first stint as head coach was at Louisville. He led the Cardinals to 2004 Conference USA title and 2006 Big East Championship. He was honored as the coach of the year in CUSA in 2004, then would coach the Atlanta Falcons, Arkansas, and Western Kentucky before returning to Louisville for a second stint. After being let go, Petrino took command at Missouri State, led them to Missouri Valley Conference title in 2020, and is now at Texas A&M as the offensive coordinator. You can see a very famous uh, picture of him on the internet if you'd like to go look at that. <laughs> Bobby Petrino turns 62 today, and one more for you. Brooks Monroe Childress turns 28 today. He's a member of the Sports Call crew. He's a two-time player of the Thunder Chickens. He was an intramural head basketball coach. And led the led the Weagles to an undefeated regular season as head coach. Also played on the intramural uh, softball teams, as well as participated in football as a coach, assistant coach. I think I was just a spectator at that point. Okay, just I, a I, spectator. I couldn't get there in time for the games. Gotcha. I knew you were not on the team for something, and I was just there for the laughs. You were. You, we will say you were assistant coach of that. Brooks Childress, our very own turns 28 today and those are the birthdays in sports presented by max credit union well uh, what were you a coach no dude i was a fan yeah. i was just a fan uh two <laughs> things one carroll college go fighting saints uh for bobby Petrino. two for brooks shoulders go go golden bears robertsville high school go sun chiefs faulkner state community college the associate's degree and then war eagle there you go yeah that's You've where got you call it. yeah what? I didn't know that. What'd you say? I didn't know you you got the associates first. I do. I do. I've got two degrees, but not the two that most people get. <laughs> <laughs> most people are like bachelor's, masters. I went the other way on the easier path. I, I think that's totally fine. Yeah, I, I think I think we're good with you. I think I think, so. I think uh, you you earned it. 
and uh, we're very excited to have you on the show. It's been what five years now, four years? No, it's been four forever. Plus the internship, all, yeah, about yeah. five by now. So I forget to count the internship. Yeah, here. that's what that leaves it a little fuzzy. But anyway, Brooks, happy birthday, sir! Thank you, sir. Let's go to our next commercial break. More talk about Auburn and Arkansas and some of these conference tournaments coming up after this. To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger To this Friday edition of Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Brent Joffrey with you here. Again, reminder, two-hour show today will be ending just before 5 o'clock because Auburn softball is in Athens, Georgia, 5.15 airtime. Britt Bowen and J.J. Jackson. So you'll hear J.J. during the 5 o'clock hour when Sports Call normally would be. So that's always exciting. I wonder how he feels about that. You know, I, I don't know, uh, but we'll be able to ask him uh, for sure. Uh, but a big series for Auburn softball. They took a tough midweek loss to Georgia Tech uh, in a 2-1 to low-scoring game, but now have the opportunity to play a top-25 Georgia team on the road. And also stick with us for some of the scheduling aspects of it because I know that uh, we're going to dry up here tonight. We're going to be dry tomorrow, but Sunday's going to be a wet one for both Auburn baseball and over in Athens for Auburn softball, so they might move some games around uh, to tomorrow. We will see. Uh, but we have a two-hour show today. So another aspect of the Auburn and Arkansas game we want to talk about, you guys probably do not have as strong of an opinion here as I do. Um, I am continually flustered with what Auburn has done late in games, uh, in particular with Wendell Green Jr. still having the the last action basically of the game or the attempting tying action. Now I want to be I want to specify that the shot quality that he has gotten at times has been fine. It, that's not the issue. But my argument here is at some point, if you're 0 for five, 0 for six in these game tying or winning opportunities, let's figure something else out. Um, Auburn was able to. Obviously, fight back in this game. They got an Allen Flanagan bucket with, I want to say, 40, 45 seconds uh, to take a lead very late there. Uh, it was a 73-72 lead. It was 39 seconds. Then Nick Smith hits a mid-range jumper with just under 20 seconds left. So then Wendell pushes the ball and, and tries to make something there quickly. And look, if you've got something obvious, it do, you don't have to wait till five seconds. If it's obvious, you go get it. But he ultimately, it was not as clear of a lane as he thought. He dribbled himself into trouble and then turned the ball over with Auburn down one. For, and again, first off, you've got to be sure that what you're doing is worth the fact that they're going to get a possession too. Like usually you wait till under 10 seconds because 
You want a shot and then a potential offensive rebound and then one last shot. You don't want to necessarily go 15, 20 seconds because then there's going to be another possession there. And so he went in there, turns the ball over, very poor decision. You don't get a shot in that sequence. And then obviously towards the end, uh, they fouled Arkansas two free throws. Uh, KD was dribbling around. They weren't getting anywhere. Call timeout with three and a half, four seconds left. The play that Bruce Pearl drew up was a good one. But again, my problem is, why is it drawn up for Wendell Green Jr. when he is a 29% three-point shooter? He had not made a shot in that game since the 12-minute mark of the first half. He came out playing very well. He had, he had free throws early. He hit two three-pointers in the first half. But that second three-pointer was with 12 minutes left in the first half. Did not make a shot since then. And that is who was getting the last shot again. After, again, recognition that there's been four or five other opportunities this year. Uh, you think of the Texas A&M game. You think of Tennessee, which was not Wendell's thought. He was fouled, but nevertheless... In the Alabama end of regulation where he missed a 17-footer. Uh, I think I'm forgetting one or two others, honestly. I just want to see – I don't – at this point, it's got to be someone else, in my opinion, other than at the end of the game a Wendell Green Jr. anything at this point because you can't make the argument that that's your best shooter. It's not. You can't make the argument, especially last night, that was your best player in that game. It wasn't. And I just don't see how you don't try and, and run something else for the hot hand. When you're a 29% shooter, you don't get the benefit of the doubt. Like, especially when you've missed four or five of these opportunities. There's, there's nothing that's proving that you're clutch in that moment. And statistically, you're not a good three-point shooter. And, and, and that's the person that keeps taking these. You've got to start the hot hand approach. The one time Auburn has made a game-tying jump shot or, or, or game-leading jump shot late in the game here was Katie Johnson against Vanderbilt. Okay, so, so why do you immediately say, got to go back to the point guard? I understand that Wendell made second-team All-SEC. He has been a, a very important player for Auburn. He has done a lot of good things. But you have got to stop riding him in the last – 30 seconds of a close game because it has there have been five or six opportunities this year and they have all gone by the wayside. Uh, you have got to find Alan Flanagan had hit two threes last night. Again, Katie it was seven to ten from the floor. I, I just I, I am I'm I'm honestly I'm fe- I'm I'm done watching Wendell Green Jr. take the last shot and the last action of the game. Uh, it's just gotten to the point where I, I want literally anything else in that moment. Uh, again, he has worked his butt off. He obviously has played well for the Tigers as a whole, but in, in late-game situations, that has not been all year long the right answer for Auburn. And look, you you're, you lose one more time and it's over, so you might not even have this situation again, but if this situation happens again, it is I, I would literally – Katie, Flanagan, Williams, I, I do not care – it needs to be someone else at the end of the next the next time this happens. I'm kind of conflicted on this because I, I'm with you. Auburn's tried it a couple of times, and Wendell has had good looks. He has created good looks for himself. And my argument would be if you don't have a timeout to set something up, 
I don't know if there's anybody else on this team that can consistently create a, a decent look. Against Alabama, there was no timeout. Wendell created that look himself, and it was a good look, and I don't know if I trust anybody else on the floor to get that look. And in the final four minutes or so, five, four or five minutes of games, Wendell has been spectacular a, a lot of times. But also to your point, when it comes to game-winning shots as the, to- as the clock is running down, you have one more shot to take. He is over for this year, and I think he's one of for his Auburn career. He made a layup against Georgia to win it uh, in Athens last year. So now you go to, okay, who else do you go to? When you're down by three at that moment, the best three-point shooter on this team, I think the most consistent three-point shooter on this team is Jalen Williams. Well, you've already had Jalen Williams on the bench in this game say, hey, I don't have it. I I don't want to be in right now. Which is, again, I've already touched on why that's concerning. And for that moment, I'm not sure, okay, I know you just said, kid, that you don't really have it today, but go out and make the game-winning shot when all the pressure on the world is on you. Um, So for that one, I don't know. I'm with you. I would have given that shot to KD. I think KD can make that shot open because that did come off a set play. And KD said it himself. He's perfectly fine that he did not get the last shot. Of course, he's going to say that. He's a good teammate. Me as a fan and an analyst, I I would rather KD have that shot. I feel like KD had the better game. I feel like over the past couple of games, he's been a really good three-point shooter. He's I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would say he's closer to 50 than 40, honestly, is what it feels like. Probably somewhere high 30s, but I don't know. It's... I'm with you. I don't want set plays coming from Window Green. If you don't want to call a timeout, then you know, good luck getting someone else getting an open shot because they did try to go down and not let Arkansas get set on defense, and it was KD who had the ball. They tried to get KD the last live ball shot, and KD couldn't get open. And that's when they called the timeout and ran the play for Wendell. And again, I would rather have KD run it in that moment. I don't think it's as cut and dry as Wendell should never try to take a game-winning shot again because, again, Someone has to dribble the ball and get open. I just don't know how many guys Auburn has that can do that. I think if we had more that could do that, we would have seen it by now. I think Alan Flanagan is the only other slasher that is on this team, and he's not as consistently consistent with getting open as Wendell is, but he's probably more consistent at hitting contested jumpers. So I, I don't know if it's super cut and dry, but looking purely at last night, running that play for Wendell, it was a good look, it was an open look, but it it didn't go down, and certainly I think there's room to criticize running that play for that player. Four or five minutes left here in the first hour, again, only two-hour show today. My other thing is we established long ago that, you know, there's guys that have had statistically nice point totals. Obviously, there's four core guys. They all average double figures. Broom averages 14, Green 13.5, Williams 11, Flanagan 10, and now KD's up to 9. You, the way he's played the last 10 games, we can put him in there as a fifth guy that's set himself apart from everyone else on the team in that department. But we established a long time ago that Auburn does not feel like it did not have someone that was a go-to guy yeah. that you could just get a bucket. And, and regardless of the last 30 seconds, just in a, an important moment, there was not any one guy that we feel comfortable with taking that very important shot. 
And so to not mix up the calls, not mix up, you know, who you're trying to run something for, because ultimately I, I, I get your point a hundred percent on when it's live ball, there's not many guys creating shot, you know, Flanagan can take a tough step back three, but that's not a good shot. KD was getting, had 12 seconds of an opportunity to create something last night and he was not able to do it. That's why the timeout was called. And Wendell is more adept at creating space. But then out of the timeout, you ran an incredibly good play. It was, it's a tough play. It's something I've seen a lot the last year or two that I'm not, I'm trying to recall if I saw earlier than that, but it's a, it's a very tough opening pass because you basically have to throw it across the floor. But if you complete that pass, the, the, Defender that's defending the the intended shooter gets caught ball watching, gets screened, and that that shooter gets open. I've seen it time after time again, and, and so why was that shooter in that instance then Wendell? Because you ran this really good play, uh, a, a play that you did not need anyone to get themselves open with ball dribbling yeah. or with dribbling or anything like that. You were getting someone open based off of screening. So why did it have to be Wendell running off of that screen? And I, I look, if this was one instance, then this would not be as worthy of criticism to me because everyone has a moment at the end of the game where they miss a shot. Every team this year has lost by missing a, a, an important shot in the last 30 seconds of the game. So it, it, even though this is the latest example and this is a concrete play here, you know, that's why I'm focusing it on it because it's the most recent example. But I'm also bringing it up because this has been about five or so games now in varying situations. Uh, and I, look, I trust Bruce Pearl when he calls a timeout to draw something up that can get someone open. And again, that proved that last night. Just because you don't make the shot doesn't make it a bad play. I mean, that, that's the basketball version of calling a good offensive play and the quarterback overthrowing the, the open wide receiver. I mean, that that is still a good play whether the shot goes in or not. Um, it's not always, you know, 100% a results-based outcome on, on judging that. But, man, I, I just – I feel like when you've got all the things going for you in that moment and Wendell had not had a made field goal since 12 minutes ago in the first half, you had Katie have the best game of his season. You even had Flanagan go two of five from three, so at least he had it measured last night, even though there's certain games where you do not want him taking a jump shot, and I said that earlier. You've got to be situational in who you call this play for. Uh, I, I will say, you know, I, I'll, I'll give you that if it's first round tournament game and this situation comes up again and Wendell's got 20 points and it's four of eight from three, well then we're having a different conversation because I'm, I'm of the opinion too, that you've got to with this type of team, you got to go to the hot hand, but again, not to, to, to go too far from my original stance that you, you have tried this in different forms and fashions multiple times this year. You've, you've tried the live ball stuff shots not gone in you've tried to draw stuff up shots not gone in it's time to try and make someone else the focus of that last moment play and look auburn might not get that again again they're they're down to a one one game season now you got to win to keep going but um if it does happen again i want to be very particular about who that person is and there needs to be a really good reason other than, oh, well, he just was an all-SEC player. Well, that's great. But if you don't have a, a made field goal in 27 minutes, 
are you really primed to make that shot in that moment? Which is still ultimately, you know, it, it was a good shot, but also, I mean, you said long arms running at a five ten guy at the end of the day. It's not like it's wide open, but I don't know. I know I'm starting to talk in circles, but it, it's still frustrating in when Auburn had battled so hard to get right back there. Yeah, in the middle of that monologue, you said something that I think is the most important thing and what's going to end up defining this team. There are There is no one guy who you trust to go and get his basket whenever you need it, and not just at the end of games, but whenever you need it. And the guys that were brought in weren't able to contribute in that way, and everybody felt like they were going to be able to. And you've got so many guys on this team that are great secondary scoring options, but you don't have anybody on this team that can go and get their own shot and make it 99 times out of 100 like you feel like you need on this team. And I feel like that's what's going to end up finishing this season. That's why Auburn has 20 wins instead of 25 or 26. Uh, I really feel like this team is going to be remembered as just, just one piece away. Out of time for hour number one. Again, hour number two will be the final hour of the show when we come back. We'll eventually have a what to watch for over the weekend, more breakdown of college basketball. If you want to give us a call, 334-887-3401 or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Out of time for hour number one, hour number two coming up next. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress with you here again. This is the final hour of the show today. Auburn softball coming up 5.15 airtime, so we get off the air right around 5 o'clock. And hour number one obviously talked a lot about the Auburn and Arkansas game last night. And uh, let's go ahead and get right to our callers now on the Auburn Make phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up here in hour number two, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony joins us. Anthony, how are you doing? Doing good. How about you guys? Doing well. Man, I tell you, I watched that game last night, and, and uh, I thought surely that Auburn would pull it off at the end, but that last shot just didn't quite go in. Things didn't work out, but they ain't got nothing to be ashamed of. They they went at it and got after you know after being down uh, maybe ten points or twelve at the beginning, and I tell you, you know, just look forward to next year. Well, I mean, they, they still should have a, a, an NCAA tournament appearance. Uh, I, I don't know if they'll end up in the first four or if they'll go ahead and be uh, seeded, but obviously they're not they're not likely to make much noise there. But they should still uh, make the NCAA tournament as around a nine or a ten seed. Well, we'll see. A Sunday is a big day, selection Sunday. Uh, 
when they'll do all that sort of thing. Uh, if they don't make it, then I guess NIT would be the next step then, right? Uh, that would be, again, I, I think a lot would have to go wrong uh, out of Auburn's control the next few days. I think a lot of bids uh, would have to be stolen from some of the smaller conferences or uh, something like Ohio State winning the Big Ten because they, they would not get in otherwise. There'd have to be a lot of bids stolen. I, I think Auburn, uh, the, the, the general consensus is that Auburn is still in the tournament by a good eight or so teams. Okay, well, that sounds good. But look here, that's one thing I want to ask you all uh, Y'all heard anything about an Oklahoma football player collapsing during a workout or something? Any updates if you have heard anything? Uh, I can't say that I I've, I have heard that. I've been in my own little basketball world. Okay, I saw somewhere it collapsed, but it didn't really go in a whole lot of detail or anything of any kind of, uh, you know, what the outcome was or whatnot, but I, I just thought I'd put that out there. If you hear the thing, uh, make an announcement on the air or something. If if you do, if you will. Yes, absolutely, Anthony. We'll uh, we'll get to researching that, and and uh, we'll have something here in a few minutes. All right. Well, I appreciate it, gentlemen. Y'all have a good weekend. You too, Anthony. That is Anthony from Auburn calling us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Appreciate him calling in the show today. Uh, I had not heard about uh, the Oklahoma deal. You guys on the case there? Yeah, go yeah, for it. I'm I'm googling. I don't see anything here. I've got a uh, I've got from uh Fox oh, News. You? Yeah, this this was Fox News at 10:06 a.m. this morning. Uh Oklahoma football player was hospitalized Thursday after suffering an exer I I I apologize for pronunciations. Uh exer exertional collapse, exertional collapse following a team workout. Really? Soon as athletic department said the university did not identify the player, but according to a report from KOCO defensive back Gentry Williams was taken to the Norman Regional Hospital where he was said to be in good condition. So that is that's the the, uh, the source told KOCO that Williams collapsed after competing in a one-on-one tug-of-war drill toward the end of practice. Uh, the source added that it was a routine exercise that the Sooners and other programs have done for years, and so it seemed he's in good condition. Oh, yeah, I'm seeing it now. Interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah I had not... Hope, uh, hope he's okay, for sure. I had not heard about that, but uh, yeah, I hope he's okay. Um Good that he's in good condition now, so it looks like he's in a, in a better spot, but uh, certainly uh, I'm sure very scary at that moment. Let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341 locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show... Ward Damn Steve. Retire Ward Damn Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? It sucks. <laughs> uh, I, I, I know how you feel. Well, uh, apparently Janai Broom and the rest of the team... Oh, it sucked too, but my response would be, well, if it sucks so damn much, then why don't you do something about it? I well, Steve, if it was that easy, everyone would, and no one likes to lose. They they've certainly given good efforts, uh, and again, not, not not everyone can win just because they give a good effort. Well, but the effort wasn't there until the last maybe what two two minutes of the game. I would I would not agree with that. I, I think that they. Well, why not? Why not? Please, because I want to rebuttal them. Because the effort, the effort, the effort was pretty good for the last twelve minutes or so. I'll agree with the the first half. It wasn't all there. Beginning of the second half, it wasn't all there. But the 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 fourth quarter, so to speak, was pretty much dominated by Auburn. Just couldn't pull it out. You should never never should have gotten down for fifteen points. I thought it would be a blowout. I gave it up. Well, I mean, it's a good thing Auburn didn't. I know, but too little, too late, guys. And then, you know, I'm wondering again, I've never coached before, we go up. We go up by one point. Well, with Mr. Allen Flanagan making the shot there, I said, great. So I'm asking you guys, if you were Bruce Pearl, would you 
have called a timeout at that point, subject defense, or just continue to let Mr. Nick Smith do his thing? I mean, I, I don't see how a timeout would have changed what happened because Arkansas took 20 seconds to take that shot, so it was not like they went in transition and, and then shot. I mean, that that was still a shot they could have well, got. Well, well, it was I'm also a very well-defended shot. Yeah, Nick a, Smith made a very tough mid-range. Well, I'm just saying, you know, you got two timeouts. You just scored. Maybe get your team together and say, okay, well, let's uh, strategize here. Uh, who's going to be where? Uh, you think that would not have mattered, though? I, I don't think. If Arkansas had gone down really quickly, uh, and had gotten something wide open, then I think it'd be fair to, to look at that with hindsight being twenty twenty. But I, I really don't see how uh, not calling a timeout there affected the, the kind of shot Arkansas got. All right. And, of course, you guys know the horrific rebounding last night. Right. And we're supposed to have one of the best defenses, but they have rebounders 37-19, guys. Yeah, no, that that was uh, one of the things we highlight, highlighted earlier in the show where at one point, uh, still with like, th- I mean, 13 or 14 minutes left to go in the game, and Auburn still was only around seven or eight rebounds, uh, was, was mind-boggling. Uh, they did a good job of turning Arkansas over. That's what kind of saved them from uh, the, the rebounding um, woes and, and Arkansas playing really good offense, but... Uh, still, just uh, I mean, I can always. There's going to be, you know, you can understand getting out rebounded by five or six, but but by 18 like that was uh, very disappointing. And again, I would never expected that from our defense. You know, we should have been a lot better than that. And then, of course, we can look at other parts of. I'm sure you've already talked about Janiah Broom, one of six free throws, one of six. Yeah, if he just makes maybe one or two of those, uh, and Katie Johnson was outstanding last night. I mean, he 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 lit it up. If he made maybe one of the free throws that maybe he could have made, uh, and then let me ask you about this, guys, because I've I've read his criticisms throughout the season, so I want to get your take. Is it fair criticism or not? But that last play uh, when uh, we went down, and then Bruce calls the was 3.5 seconds left in the game, yep. and Wendell takes the shot. Was he being, as some critics have called him, uh, was he playing hero ball? Oh, no, not in that instance. Now, the the instance before where he had the turnover. You know, like that one, where the turnover, I thought he was fouled. Well, well, I, I think he got trapped in no man's land because he, he went to the basket and then got up in the air and, and had to get rid of it. Uh that that's the play that I'm more critical of Wendell for because, again, I would have preferred um, to to slow it up. And if you're if you were going to go fast, I would have wanted it to be very obvious. Anytime you don't get a shot in the closing seconds in one of those important possessions, it's very hard to take. And to know that that was not a necessary uh, action there to drive uh, did not did not make it better. I think that the final shot. Though was a uh, was obviously a Bruce Pearl drawn up play. I've seen that play uh, both in the NBA and in college drawn up before. It requires a very tough initial pass, uh, but then because the pass is very tough, uh, the defense kind of gets caught ball watching, and it usually sets up a really good back screen that gets the three point shooter open, and and it really did. Uh, I, I know they had a late close there and got a decent contest on it, and, and Wendell had to fall away a little bit, but ultimately. 
pretty good shot given that everyone knows you have to take a three. Uh, that's a, a reasonable amount of space and a reasonable shot there. So that that obviously he missed it, and we always grade outcomes, even though I think that the play was really good. Uh, but but the the real criticism of Wendell, I feel like, was the turnover with about uh, 12 seconds left or 10 seconds left. All right. Because uh, it just seems like uh, it's a different game, but the same outcome. We can't put a stop to uh, the opponent coming down in the last seconds of the game. They, they'll, they'll, they'll stop us. We can't seem to do the same uh, uh, to them. Uh, I, it's just so frustrating, you know, uh, especially when – you know, I, I kind of thought, well, you know, it's going to be a blowout. And so they give you hope. <laughs> they you get a lead. I say, hey, they pull us out. And then they tear your heart back out again. All right. Well, Steve, I, I'll, I'll say this in their defense. As much as it hurts as a fan to watch that, it's a million times worse to go through it as a player. And that's why I just can't you know, figure out. In fact, I heard Bruce Procon contradicted. So he said, because uh, some uh, reporter asked about the effort, he said, oh, they had great effort. But yet later on, I – saw the comments and either from Dylan or someone else saying that uh, the effort wasn't there as it should have been. So why not? And they talked about how uh, the, the, the energy um, and the Arkansas players came down with their uh, hair on fire. Uh, I said, well, why didn't you guys, you know? And then I saw our record, guys. What's with this? Does Bruce Pro just not give a darn about, you know, the, the, the tournament? Just, you know, well, I think it's the last five games we've gone one, one and done in the tournament. Uh, yeah, yeah, since Auburn won the tournament, what was that, 2019? Yeah. I thought that was. Well, they've only played, so they've only played in a couple tournaments since then. One, COVID canceled, one they were not eligible for. So they've, they've been one and out the last two. I think what the stat is, is that in seven SEC tournaments that Bruce has coached in, uh, they've been one and out in five of the seven. The other one that they were not was the KT Harrell. They won three games to get to the semi. So they have been, uh, and Luke kind of brought this up yesterday, they have actually, they have been boom or bust uh, under Bruce Pearl at the SEC tournament, and five out of seven times it's been bust. Do you think because it just doesn't matter? No, I, 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 I think conference tournaments still matter to everybody. I mean, they, that's still a trophy uh, at the end of the day, and some teams value it more because it's their only ticket to get into the NCAA tournament. So... I don't think it's it's that. I, I, I'm still working on uh, some other concrete reasons. I think one of the reasons uh, could be even though that we, we don't like to hear this for, for Auburn playing a, a, away from home and, and that they rely on it so much, I, I think it is that they truly get such a boost at home. Uh, they have some trouble in, in neutral environments, and they have trouble away from Neville Arena. Uh, I, I think that they've created such a great home advantage uh, sometimes that they uh, are not just not as accustomed to going out on the road uh, as much. Now, look, every team that has a good home environment, that's not true for. So it's not really a great reason there. But I think that it, it is nevertheless something you can point to as maybe something going on there where they obviously play their butts off at home. They get so many big wins. But uh, other than one or two magical runs, they, they really don't do much uh, away from Neville Arena. Well, I guess on the brighter side, uh, we could have some time off to regroup and maybe get a little more practice time, right? Well, I mean, only by a day or two from all these other teams that, that uh, get ousted. And, of course, Auburn won't know where they're going or who they're playing until everyone else does. But, uh, yeah, I think that 
Uh, obviously, they've they've still got you know they are what they are at this point. They're still trying to make fine fine tuning adjustments, but obviously, it's going to be difficult for them to uh, go very far in the NCAA tournament. And uh, maybe give time for Chris Moore to heal up from that uh, god awful um, chin uh, injury that he got to, on the floor there. Yeah, that was rough. He was working his tail off and uh, had to get stitches and. Uh, yeah, that was a uh, that was a, a tough play. Do you think the officiating was fair in yes. terms of fouls? Yes, yes, I do. Okay, all right. Um, the uh, selection game uh, or uh, show is going to be on on CBS at six our time. Uh, five, five or six on Sunday. I, I don't recall. I think it's five, but I mean, it used to be. Put it this way, it used to be early enough today where there was still some sunshine out. That that could have changed. Six Eastern, five Central. Five Central, there you go. So five Central. Five Central. Okay, good. I have time to watch the Oscars uh, as well. All right, so guys, what's your best projection here? Uh, you're not Joe Lenardi. You're not Ken Palm. What are we, a 10 seed, 11 seed? I'm going to go uh, 9 or 10. I'm probably going to go 10. I'm going to go 10, playing 7. I, I don't know exactly what that 7 is. I, I need to study up on all those teams. But basically when you play a seven, you're playing between the 25th and 28th ranked team in the country. So take anyone that's back into the top 25 or or uh, just outside the top 25. That's the type of team that would be a seven seed. Okay. Uh, what, what region do you think we might be in? Uh, no idea on that. Uh, they, they, they obviously can't put everyone close to their home and – that higher seeds get that kind of priority, but but down at Auburn's spot, that that really won't matter for them. So probably no Birmingham then. Uh, it'd have to be the eight nine, I think, to be in Birmingham. So if they end up, I, I don't know that for a fact, but every time I've seen the eight nine listed, I've seen Auburn in Birmingham when they're a nine, and not in Birmingham when they're a ten. So I would assume it'd be eight nine. Yeah, I was looking at uh, Joe Lenardi's um, latest bracketology. And yeah, what the, do you have? The two the the two areas that are going to the uh, the that would be he's got projected in Birmingham is the South one sixteen and eight nine and the East one sixteen and eight nine. Those are the two uh, air, those are the two groups that are going to be in Birmingham. And right now he's got Auburn as a ten seed in the East in Denver taking on the seven seed Michigan State. Denver? How in the world is Denver in the East? Okay, that is a great uh, question. Uh, anyway, so how many SEC teams do you think make it? Uh, well, I what six or seven? Handful, uh, yeah. Uh, so I, the lock. I mean, there's pretty much everyone's a lock, but state that's that's in or close to lock. So uh, you know, Alabama, Tennessee, uh, they are locks. Arkansas's safe. Kentucky's safe. Missouri's safe. So that's five. Uh, Auburn is six, and then I think state would be seven. They're on the bubble. They're squarely on the bubble, though. So. Uh, six, maybe seven, and I guess you can't count out Vandy just yet. Vandy's still I was say, what about alive. Vanderbilt? Yeah, they're they're like next four out right now. Uh, so I guess you got to say it's possible. I I don't think they'll get in unless they win the conference tournament, but uh, it's it's not impossible for them. Okay, so I know we got softball tournament and we got the uh, baseball teams. Um, do you see us being able to um, um, baseball and softball sweeping uh, our opponents? Uh, baseball, it's very possible against Southeastern Louisiana. Auburn, I do not think they will sweep Georgia. They, they, they would just like to win that series. Georgia's ranked 18th in the country. Auburn's 21st, and it is in Athens. So a, a series win is the goal in that one. 
Okay. Hi, guys. Thank you for your time. I know my time is way, way up. I uh, hope all of you guys have a safe and relaxing and entertaining uh, weekend. Uh, look forward to talking to you on Monday, and uh, we'll see who gets the uh, best picture. Uh, and we'll look forward to the Oscars as well. Absolutely. All right. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle. That is retired Ward AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Appreciate him for calling the show today. As always, we need to take our next time out. Uh, show getting late early. We'll be back uh, a best and or not a best and worst, but a what to watch for over the weekend coming up in a few minutes uh, as these conference tournaments continue on and we continue on with this Friday edition of Sports Call. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Friday. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dantry, Childress, a lot happened during the commercial break. If we we always talk about this and it's not happening, but if we had live video in here during breaks, which especially if you had live audio, yeah, well that that could be very problematic. <laughs> that would be yeah. You would have heard me saying a range of things in loud loud voices about One, different subjects, about too. very different things about UAB. They just advanced the conference championship game in Conference USA. Not as many people care about that. That's fine. Can I just say so, before we those the the uniforms that UAB wore today are some of my favorite basketball. When they put uniforms. Birmingham it's on just, the Grays, Birmingham. Yeah, they look really good. Well, I could get into a whole thing, and I'm not gonna, but I'll, I'll leave it at 20 seconds and just say that um, if you're a diehard UAB fan, you do not want them to be a part of the University of Alabama system because that's a part of the reason that they got killed. Their football program got killed in the first place. So. You you want to be some a lot of UAB people want to be University of Birmingham to be honest with you but um, moving on the other thing that that made loud noises happen uh, and we will do what to watch for over the weekend in just a minute we've got about twenty minutes left on this show before we turn it over to Auburn softball airing at five fifteen the number one overall pick in the NFL draft was just traded it was just traded by the Chicago Bears to the Carolina Panthers, uh, former Sports Call host J.J. Jackson's Carolina Panthers, former employee of Tiger Communications and still friend of the program Austin Scott's Carolina Panthers, are trading for the number one pick. They are trading their number ninth selection, their number 61 selection, which is, which is late in the second round, a first-round pick in 2024, a second-round pick in 2025, 
and their really good wide receiver, DJ Moore, who is their top wide receiver after, especially after trading Robbie Anderson, everything that kind of went awry there. So Carolina moves to number one. We were going to talk some quarterbacks at some point, and I still want to hit on Lamar Jackson before the show, you know, ends uh, ends for I don't know the month of August and NFL season starts, and he's on a team, and it's old news. I still want to talk about that at some point, but the new conversation here is what is Carolina going to do? Uh, it's always a big time panic mode and, and big excitement mode when you actually have a trade, not only of a top five or 10 pick, but a, a number one overall pick. This is the kind of thing that you talk about for years and years to come, because you already compare the top three or four quarterbacks taken a draft, but then you trade up to get someone in particular that puts the microscope on you even further so, guys, what do you think of – well, there's a lot of angles here. You want to go Chicago trading out? You want to go Carolina trading in? You want to you want to talk who they should get, who you think they like? Take this however you want. I'll start with from the Chicago angle. I love this for Chicago because they feel like they have their quarterback of the future in Justin Fields. Justin Fields showed that he can be the guy uh, with, with the right kind of offense around him. And another thing that we've seen with Justin Fields – Okay, let, let's take a step back. With these quarterbacks that are young, that have made strides, guys who didn't have great first years but showed they had something and picked up in the next years, what did they all have? Tua Tonga-Vailoa got Tyreek Hill. That's the biggest example, I think. Um, you argue the same thing for Patrick Mahomes. He got Tyreek Hill. Uh, help me out. Josh Allen got uh, Stephon Diggs. You take these young quarterbacks and you give them a great young wide receiver – to kind of speed along their advancement. Justin Fields now has his, guy, has his guy in DJ Moore, and that was the biggest thing that Chicago needed to address. Another thing, regardless of the quarterback that Carolina takes, I still don't think they're going to be above 500 next year. So you are getting, you feel pretty comfortable, a top 15 pick next year, regardless of, of what happens this year. So you still feel pretty good about that. I don't think Carolina's a quarterback away. Uh, so I, I love this for the Chicago Bears. I still they still have a top 10 pick. They get the number 9 pick so they can still draft a really good player, a top player at their at whatever position they feel they need the most or or whatever best player they have. So I I love this for Chicago. And, you know, earlier in the week we talked about uh NFL draft stuff and you know, I read um I think it was uh Todd McShay's latest uh, mock draft had the the Bears trading out of that first pick. But it was to the Colts. The Colt they had the Colts moving up to take uh, the number one overall to get to the number one overall pick, and so we knew that the the Bears were shopping this pick around. We knew that they were they were trying to move out of it. They knew they could get. I wouldn't be shocked if the Bears like uh, what McShay projected again uh, that the Bears move back again uh, one more time because you could get someone move. You know, uh, someone else could move up and and you know try to get into that top ten area, but. I, you know, if you're the Bears, you're getting you're getting Justin Fields some help, uh, in in a in a, in a spot where you're you really need to see at this point if Fields is going to be your quarterback too. Um, Justin Fields has been in in the league a couple years now. If you can get him some help and he can show a little bit, he can take a step forward with DJ Moore. Uh, you if you're Chicago, you can be you know a little more comfortable with him as your quarterback going forward. But if he can't, 
start, take a step forward with DJ Moore as your wide as, as a number one wide receiver with you. Uh, it you, you if you're the Bears, then you know because of how the league is, you need to start looking at you maybe your next quarterback option if, if Fields doesn't you know isn't going to take that next step forward. I think this is a really good move for them to see if he's going to take that next step forward by getting him a true number one wide receiver there with with DJ Moore uh, for the Panthers. You know, this opens up a lot of possibilities. I know we we talked about the 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 um, mock draft had them taking Will Levis. We've seen throughout this draft cycle, Will Levis has been mocked to the Panthers uh, for a while. And now that you move up, now that the Panthers have moved up, this opens up everybody. You can go and get you can go and get Bryce Young. You can go and get C.J. Stroud. You can go and get the new darling of the NFL draft, Anthony Richardson, if that's who you're moving up for. Uh, it opens up a lot of possibilities. Now you're going to have to do it without obviously dj moore you're going to have that quarterback there without uh without who's who's the panthers new coach now that's frank Wright, former colts coach frank Wright, the former colts coach that's, and so this is if you're if you were you know whoever your quarterback is going to be frank reich has done wonders with quarterbacks uh in in his time with the in, in the nfl um you've got a chance to go get your quarterback and even though you're not going to have a guy like dj moore on your roster you've got a, a coach that can come in and have an immediate impact we saw um bryce young not bryce young uh josh allen when he went to the 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 bills he was a little rough and then you had a you had a coach with um uh brian dable take over that offensive side of the bat- ball and you saw Josh Allen take steps forward. Like you saw him become a different quarterback when he when he got uh, Brian Dable there. And then this year, Dable left. You take, saw him take a little bit of a step back, but not too much. So it, it's he's still an elite quarterback in this league. But you you started to see a little bit of what what Dable had there. And I think if you with you've got Frank Reich and you've got a quarterback like a Stroud, like an Anthony Richardson, or more specifically like a Bryce Young with Frank Reich, this could be good for the for the uh, Panthers going forward. Yeah, I think when you're trying to think about, all right, what would have been the circumstance if Carolina does not make this trade? They stay at nine, they keep the status quo. Yeah. You're not obviously getting Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. You're going to get probably Will Levis, maybe Anthony Richardson. I I don't know which of those two falls to nine, if either do for a fact, but it's certainly not Young or Stroud. And you've got to ask yourself, would you rather have, let's call it Levis, would you would you rather have Will Levis, have DJ Moore still, and have your second-round pick, have your first-round pick next year and your second-round pick the year after that? Would you rather maintain those picks yeah. and DJ Moore, or would you rather have Bryce Young slash CJ Stroud, let's call it Bryce Young, yeah. and not have that stuff because that's the real determination here because Carolina with what they're trying to do. And I commend them for this because when you get a new head coach, Mm -hmm. you would, I I think the idea is unless you are a playoff team, which just got tired of not advancing the playoffs or you just kept missing the playoffs by a game or two. If you're a team like Carolina that ends up picking in the top 10 of the draft, you need as close to a hard reset as possible. And in the NFL, you don't get a lot of time to do that. You only get two or three years, and then coaches are fired again. You're doing it all over again. So to be able to get a true hard reset where they bring in a new coach, 
they're going to get their new quarterback and they can build around the new quarterback from day one should help their timeline, should help their, their de- developmental process. Now, the NFC South is kind of weird because if Bryce Young is good from the beginning, I I don't know that Carolina doesn't have a chance still to win the division because the division is so rough and there are opportunities for teams to get better. Yeah. New Orleans obviously just got Derek Carr. Derek Carr is a upgrade, but it's not like you're now in the penthouse because you have yeah, Derek Carr. You didn't get an Aaron Rodgers. Right. Uh, Atlanta has a lot of cap space, but you do have to see what they actually do with it and what their quarterback situation ultimately is. If they rock with Ritter next year, well, that could go one of two very different ways. You know, he might manage things very well, grow into it, and the Falcons are, are really good with, with him doing enough, or he might not prove to be a starting NFL quarterback, and then the Falcons are hindered because of that. So there's a a lot of uncertainty with this division, and Carolina could have an eight-win team next year that ends up winning the division, or they could have a five- or six-win team that the division may be a little better around them than they realize. They lose a couple extra divisional games, they win five games, and then they do have that really high draft pick to get a big-time wide receiver or something next year along those lines that Brant was talking about earlier. So it does concern me a little bit. I'm, I know I've been answering the own question here. And we'll throw it to you in just a second. But it does concern me a little bit initially that Bryce Young will not have anything around him, not have DJ Moore, uh, not have, obviously, Christian McCaffrey because of that trade last year. But Carolina proved, if, for, if they proved nothing else the last seven or eight games of the year, post-Matt Rule, Jesus, and then post the Christian McCaffrey trade, the other elements of their football team are pretty good. They can run behind that offensive line. They have a good defense. Derrick Brown is awesome in the middle. Uh, Their defense can play and and keep teams down. So they've got to work on really the totality of their offense, finding more explosive plays out of their offense. There are still things to work on defensively too, but they won four or five games there in the last seven or eight just running the ball with guys that would not start for other teams typically with Sam Darnold at quarterback, who I still just do not think is a starting quarterback in the NFL. And, and again, they, they made ground up in that division as time went on. Uh, but again, after having a couple minutes to think about it, would you rather have Young slash Stroud uh, and, and, and lose what Carolina lost, or would you rather have Will Levis and keep what Carolina just gave up? If, if you are convinced – that or if, if you're the Panthers and you look at this draft and you're convinced that Young or Stroud or Anthony Richardson is going to be a franchise level quarterback, uh, I, I think it's I think you're fine moving off of DJ Moore because you look at if, if if these guys do end up becoming if one of these three guys does end up becoming a really good franchise quarterback, when you look at when it comes to uh, and I, I'm going to put put this in a in you know line phase, in in line. Say the the Panthers are, you know, playing somebody of equal value, and they are favored by three. And you say, oh, it's Will Levis and DJ Moore. Well, they say, hey, DJ Moore's out. The line's not going to move that much. But if you're if if you've got a you know if you've got a a starting quarterback, and you say, hey, starting quarterback is out. And that that line's going to move a lot more. When you you look at points value, who adds points to your to your team, the quarterback adds more points than a wide receiver, than a complimentary piece of wide receiver or running back, uh, a defensive back, whatever. 
I, I would, I like the move. I would rather have a, if, if you are convinced that Young or Stroud or Richardson is going to be a franchise level quarterback that is going to carry you into the future, I'm fine because you can go, you look at college football and every single year there is a group of running backs and wide receivers that comes out that is really good and you can go and get some and then every single year there's, you know, free agency, there's, there's wide receivers that hit free agency every single year that you're like, I could pick him up. He can be a good, uh, you know, two, one or two wide receiver for us. Not every year you're going to find yourself, you want to be in the position to trade up for a franchise quarterback or be in the position to draft a franchise quarterback or two, you're in a, in, there's a franchise quarterback in that class. There was a couple years ago. I don't remember which draft class it was. It may have been, uh, that there was just nobody. You're like, what, what is our quarterback situation here? If you get into that situation, uh, you know, down the road with a will, if you draft Will Levis and you get down the down the road in that situation, and you're you're saying, well, we got to move on, and there's nobody to move on from, you're you're you look back at this draft and you say, well, we could have had a Bryce Young, and we or we could have had a C.J. Stroud. This is all, of course, pending if they work out, because we've seen we saw the draft class, like you said, Ryan, you, you talked about uh, Sam Donald, Sam Donald, Josh Rosen were two solely so highly touted prospects. That you know, everyone's like, "Oh, can't miss, can't miss." Well, kind of missed. Josh yeah. Rosa definitely. Uh, Sam Darnold, uh, you know, it, it felt like he could work, but then he ended up at the Jets, and then the Jets killed him basically, and and he saw ghosts and everything that went from there. Uh, and then he couldn't stay healthy at the end, and so I I, I like the idea if if you are convinced that Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or Anthony Richardson is your franchise quarterback for the future, I'm fine getting rid of getting rid of D.J. Moore because you can go and you can find yourself more uh, another wide receiver or another running back or somebody around him that can around that quarterback that can uh, complement him well. What's crazy about this is that it's going to be impossible to tell for several years. It, it'll, it'll take years before we figure out if this was a good move or not because a quarterback cannot be graded just on his rookie season you've got to look back and go you've got to look back at this dude's entire career whatever quarterback they draft and you know it'd be funny is if they drafted will anderson um and just ignored the quarterback position entirely but no i think we're all in agreement it'll be a quarterback but if you do take bryce young or cj stroud or you get blinded by the high upside of a guy like anthony richardson we're not going to know in a year you know it's going to be it's going to be several years down the line. This guy is the starting quarterback of the Panthers, and he's been great, or he's been okay. He's been good enough, but not great. Or he runs out of the league in three or four years. That's when we're going to be able to truly judge this pick. And I, I really, you know, it, that's that's the gamble you take, right? Because people are going to want to judge it immediately, and you're just not going to be able to. It's always a moving target, target to what a franchise quarterback would actually be worth in draft capital and other good players and look it is the they most important part uh, a ton. as you have to do uh in to, to move up like something like this uh so as you said unfortunately we'd love to have the answer tomorrow or next week but uh it will be uh a few years from now before we actually grade because look even though we all are in agreement that we don't like levis it what if he ends up being good Again, you know, we would be we would be wrong. Other teams would be wrong, and that team would feel great about having Will Levis in the fold. So, 
Uh, just a couple minutes left in the show today. Again, 5.15 airtime for Auburn and Georgia softball. Britt Bowen and J.J. Jackson on the call of that one. Uh, really about out of time of the show, so we'll do a nightly TV guide. We'll not have time for the what to watch for over the weekend, but it is time for today's nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we got? Uh, we got a lot of basketball for you tonight. Uh, you, The Help, we're going to start with movies, though. The Help starts at 5.30 on FX, and then tonight at 6.30 on TNT is Avengers Age of Ultron. So there's a couple movie picks for you because we're winding down championship week, and there's less and less games going on, so we're going to give you some movie picks in case your team's been eliminated uh, from uh, play in tonight's games. Auburn softball, 5.30 on the SEC Network. Plus tonight, number 21 Auburn visits number 18 uh, Georgia, SEC Network Plus. You can also listen to it right here on Tiger 95.9. Britt Bowen, J.J. Jackson on the call. Brent Daughtry joins them from the studio. Yes, sir. And then tonight, basketball-wise, starting off 5.30 FS1, you've got the Big East Tournament kicking things back up. It's UConn and Marquette in the semifinals. 6 o'clock ESPN, Iowa State takes on Kansas in some Big 12 semifinals. Uh, the Blue Devils take on the number 14 Miami Hurricanes in the ACC uh, semifinal at 6 o'clock. The SEC Network tonight, Arkansas, Texas A&M. Uh, ESPNU, Memphis, and UCF. And then later on tonight, Pac-12 semi- or semifinals, yeah. Oregon and UCLA at 8 o'clock on the Pac-12 Network, if you can find that anywhere. Later tonight at 10.30, 10 thir- uh, Arizona State, Arizona. Uh, this is a long yeah, TV guide. 8.30 ESPN 2, Clemson, Virginia, and then, of course, 8.30 ESPN Big 12 semifinals. Number 2, number 22, TCU, and number 7, Texas. And as a look at your not TV guide, brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks. Thank you very much for being here this week. And, again, happy birthday, sir. Hope you have a great rest of your day, great weekend, and, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, sir. Brant, thank you for being here the last three days. We'll look forward to chatting with you again next week. Thank you for having me. And, of course, we thank all those that tuned in and called in today as well. For Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great weekend. Have a great selection Sunday, and we'll talk to you on Monday.